You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hi, it's Jean Chatsky. Before we start the show, I just want to say thank you for listening. Whether you've been with us from day one or you're coming to us for the first time, it means a lot to us. And we want to make sure we're producing the show you want, which is why we're conducting a very brief listener survey. You can find the link in the show's description graph or Head to hermoney.com slash survey to say thank you. We've got some prizes on the table, but it'll only take a couple of minutes, and you'll reap the reward by hearing more of what you want. Now let's talk money. Her Money is supported by Fidelity Investments. We want you to demand more from your money. So start by knowing what you own and owe, and we'll help you take the next step at fidelity.com slash Demand more now. Her money comes to you through PRX. Hey, everybody, it's Jean Chatsky, and this week we are talking about family, overcoming financial hardships, resiliency, and mentorship with someone whose work has inspired all of us for quite some time. At least it's inspired me. We are on Skype with Emmy Award-winning journalist and producer Laura Ling. And Laura, I know you'll remember grabbed the world's attention back in 2009 while reporting on the trafficking of North Korean women when she and a colleague were arrested and held in North Korea captive for 140 days before being released on a special pardon. Just unbelievable story. But fast forward to today, and she is the host of the Everyday Bravery podcast, which documents real people's stories overcoming many hardships, and many of them are financial. Laura, thank you so much for getting on the phone with us today. Thank you for having me, Jean. I'm such a fan of the show. Oh, thank you for saying that. Everyday Bravery features stories of people who are facing a lot of obstacles in their lives and the mentors who help them find the courage to overcome those obstacles. One of those stories is your own. So what's going on in your life right now? Yeah, well, we do feature so many different stories. And right now, I, my sister and I are both caring for our aging father while raising children of our own. And so this is a story about the sandwich generation. And it's not just a story about me. It's a story about the millions, tens of millions of Americans who are living through this challenge of um, aging and often ailing parents, but also balancing all with their own young kids. There are millions of people in this scenario right now who are trying to navigate the nursing homes, assisted living, at-home care, the financial questions that are involved in getting our parents the help that they need. How have you and your, your sister, Lisa, dealt with it? Well, you know, we've kind of considered all of the above that you mentioned. And um, in-home care, at, at one point, he was living between my house in the Bay Area and my sister's in Los Angeles. And that was getting really difficult. And, it's, and at a certain point, um, we determined it really wasn't safe. It wasn't safe for him. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a good situation for us and our young children. So our father had a series of ailments that left him, we thought he was going to, 
we thought he was not going to make it. Um, this was about a year and a half ago, but he has since improved miraculously and thankfully. And we put him in assisted living just earlier this year. And, and that was really hard because he did not want to go. I mean, he's lived on his own, you know, in the same house for over 40 years. And so that was a struggle for, for him and for us. But we've kind of considered so many different options. And right now he's in assisted living. And right now that's the best place for him. Does it make it easier for you to balance the challenges of raising your own family to know that at least he's got eyes on him more of the time? Absolutely, because I think that a lot of people aren't so fortunate. He's in a place where he gets three healthy meals a day, their activities, although he never wants to do them. <laughs> and um, and we know that he's safe. So it does, it definitely does help. But I think that when it comes to senior care and, and caring, caregiving for our parents, it's just not something that we do prepare for. You know, when you have kids, there are so many books about it and, and rearing your children and saving for them and putting money in their college accounts. And when it comes to your parents, sometimes it can just hit. You're not prepared and you don't expect it. And so I think a lot of people are are really struggling through this. Well, it's also the financial challenge that you can't punt on, right? When we're looking at the three challenges that often hit at the same time, our own retirements or saving for our own retirements, saving for or putting our kids through college and helping out our parents, we can delay our own retirements. We can try to find financial aid for our kids. With our parents, there's often no other choice except to step in and help financially, even if we end up doing that in a way that sabotages our other goals. Exactly. Um, I think that a lot of things get get lost in the process. And it's something that we've definitely talked about. My husband and I have talked about putting away, starting to save for our dad just as we do our kids. We're in a good position in that my dad, you know, he has a he has a decent pension and he has a savings, but we have done the math and you know at some point that's going to run out. And so we need to prepare for that now. And we need to help him manage his money, um, the money that he has. It's also taught me uh, about managing and planning for myself. I want to be in a position where um, my kids aren't left struggling. And so it's kind of forced me to sort of look to, to my future as well. What sort of resources, if any, have been helpful with this experience for you? What have you found that you can lean on as you go through this caregiving experience? Well, for the podcast, uh, for the podcast that I host, Everyday Bravery, I actually sought the advice from a mentor. And each person that we profile in this podcast, we pair up with a mentor to help them through their challenge. And this woman, Liz O'Donnell, she has a website and it's called Working Daughter. And it's really geared towards women. And there are plenty of men that are caught up in the sandwich generation as well. But women often are the ones that are left facing this situation and oftentimes making the sacrifice. And Liz was really helpful and she's been so helpful to so many women in the situation. Um, and, you know, she told me, you know, Laura, you might be a little too worried and putting too much burden on yourself. Your dad is, is going to only be here for a, you know, a certain amount of time. Um, 
just relax a little bit and enjoy this time. You know, while you're concerned about cleaning out his refrigerator and his assisted living home and, and tidying his place, you could be, you know, creating these amazing memories memories with him. And so it was just a reminder that we do put a lot of stress on ourselves. And at the same time, we could be really, you know, taking advantage of this time that we have with our parents. And so she encouraged me to get out. I went on a fishing trip with my dad. We haven't fished together in decades. <laughs> and it was a beautiful day on the river, you know, the Sacramento River. We didn't catch anything. but um, <laughs> That was my next question. <laughs> no, we spent several hours trolling for salmon and didn't catch a thing. However, it's a day that I will never forget. And so as much as we stress ourselves out, out and as, as difficult as it is, there are so many beautiful things that can, can come out of um, caregiving for our parents. I want to talk a little bit more about your podcast, about the stories that you tell. But before we do, let me just remind everybody, Her Money is brought to you by Fidelity Investments. What if you could demand more from your money? What if you could make your savings work as hard as you do? And what if that helped you reach your financial goals faster? It all starts with a financial checkup and an understanding of what you own and what you owe. From there, the folks at Fidelity can help you evaluate your investment options and come up with more ways to grow your savings. You can get started today at fidelity.com slash demand more now. We're happy to be back talking with Laura Lang, host of the podcast Everyday Bravery. Where'd the title come from? I just love it. Oh, thanks. Well, you know, everyone has their own challenges and oftentimes they are the most, they, they can seem kind of commonplace and it's reaching into our own personal souls to find that everyday bravery. Tell me about a couple of the experiences that you've documented that you think will appeal most to our listeners. Well, I think with each of these stories, there's a financial component to it, right? Um, however, you know, these stories, it's really about the the whole self and the finance part comes with it. For example, this woman, Rochelle, um, in North Carolina, she went through a bitter divorce and is raising two children. And she has a passion uh, for making mac and cheese. <laughs> and she wants to start her own food truck. And it seems very overwhelming, but she wants to show her kids how to be an entrepreneur. But at the same time, this is a heartbreaking and heartwarming story because at that same time, her young son, Joshua, is diagnosed with cancer. And so she's just hit with a lot of overwhelming situations. And, um, but at, at the same time, it's her, it's her son who kind of helps her and gives her the encouragement to carry on. Um, and that story is one that's a little bit more like on the head, uh, you know, hits, hits the nail on the head in terms of financial. There's another story about this guy, John, who is afraid of bridges. He gets these paralyzing anxiety attacks when he is close to a bridge and needs to drive across a bridge. In fact, he doesn't end up driving across bridges. He has a, a police officer escort him and get in his car and drive him across a bridge. And that might not seem like a financial situation, but it, his anxiety has inhibited him from doing things like getting to work on time. He has anxiety when he's driving on dates. He's had to cancel plans with friends. And so it 
really has affected his whole self, his whole life, his financial life, and he doesn't want his fears to define him. And so with each of these people that we meet, we pair them up with mentors who can help them, sometimes with financial advice, but sometimes just to give them that extra push and encouragement to really believe in themselves so that they can lead their best lives. Right. So in Rochelle's case, it was a food truck guy who was able to give her actual business advice about how to go through this. What what is it about mentorship that is so powerful? Well, I think that it's, you know, when you have somebody that can help encourage you in an area where you may be unfamiliar with, it just gives you that extra push. It's that extra encouragement, as I said, to just believe in yourself. And sometimes it's really concrete advice that you might get. And oftentimes it is just that encouragement, that extra boost that might make the difference. And I just think that if we had more mentors, then, you know, it would just, I think everyone would benefit. Who's your mentor? Well, Jean, it's, it's funny you ask that because I, um, I haven't had a lot of mentors in my life and I'm kind of really bummed out about that. <laughs> I wish I did early, very early on. In my career, there was a producer, his name's Mitch Koss, and he kind of took me under his wing. This was when I was, you know, a researcher at a, at a media organization. And he, you know, helped teach me about all different aspects of the industry. I, I really looked up to him and am grateful for his mentorship to this day. But I haven't had a ton of mentors. What I have tried to mentor people as much as I can because I think it's so valuable. And one of the things that I tell people is if you're interested in something, if you're passionate about something, get on the phone and call that person that you really admire and just ask them, you know, you may not have the time, but can I just take you out out to coffee and pick your brain? And, you know, a beautiful mentorship might form from that. And people have certainly done that for me. And I've tried to take the time to mentor people in ways that I can. Absolutely. And I think calling somebody and asking for a cup of coffee is sometimes when somebody asks you to be a mentor, it seems like such a heavy lift. It seems like they're asking for the next decade, which you may want to give but feel unable to give, sometimes that cup of coffee is an easy thing to say yes to. Yeah, it could be an hour conversation over coffee that could mean the world to somebody. Before we wrap, I just want to touch on resilience. I did a project a number of years ago called The Difference, where I conducted a big study, 5,000 people, um, looking for factors that helped people succeed in a variety of economic situations. And in addition to the financial habits like saving enough money and investing that popped, resilience popped being able to overcome. How do you teach resilience? You clearly have needed it at many points in your life, particularly during that stretch in North Korea. What's your advice for harnessing resilience when you need it? 
Well, one of the things that I learned during my captivity in North Korea, it's actual actually a ritual that I started practicing there. And it's something that I continue to do to this day. And it's something that helped me maintain hope and find strength in, in places that I didn't know existed. And, and here's what I would do. I would sit every evening before I went to sleep, I would sit cross-legged and I would close my eyes and I would think about something that happened in that day that I actually felt grateful for, despite this bleak situation, this really horrifying situation that I was in. And I would think about something that happened in that day. So I would say to myself, for example, I feel lucky that I saw a butterfly outside the window, even though I can't go outside and breathe the fresh air. Or I feel fortunate that I got three meals today, even though the portions were meager, because they were probably more than what the average North Korean was getting. And so focusing on those small things allowed me to get on to the next day. And it's something, as I said, I continue to do this to this day, because I do find that it really gives me a sense of not only peace, but of purpose. And it reminds me of what I have and what I can do. And it really does bring more meaning to my life. So that's one of the little rituals that I practice that has helped me find um, strength and resiliency in my life. Laureling, we will leave it there. Amazing advice. The podcast, once again, it's called Everyday Bravery. We hope you'll come back. Thanks, Jane. Thank you so much. And we will be right back with Kelly and your questions. Your opinion really matters to us. So let me just remind you again, please take a few minutes now to go to hermoney.com slash survey and let us know how we can make the show even better. One more time, hermoney.com slash survey. Thank you. Kelly Heldgren, our producer, is with me in the studio with your questions. But before we dive in, I'm so struck by that gratitude practice Mm -hmm. and that she, that it occurred to her to do that while she was in captivity. And we've heard that grit or resiliency is something that you can build, but gosh, like I think it comes quite naturally to her. It, It sounds like it. It sounds like it. I mean, I know just from years of doing research that We're born with about 50% of the resilience that we're ever going to get, but Mm. the other 50% is up to us. And this is the way we build it. We build it by controlling the things that we can control, letting go of the other things, and noticing that there is a pattern of good things that happen in all of our lives, even during what we think are the most dire times, Mm -hmm. paying attention to them, forcing ourselves to revisit them because that's how we become attuned to the fact that the world's not just a bad place. And even, absolutely, or that the world's not out to get you. Yes. And realizing that other people are oftentimes going through similar situations or have gone through them before. And one of my favorite pieces of advice that I received a long time ago is that when I am in swimming in my pity pool, as we all do from time to time, the best way to get out is by focusing on someone else. Mm-hmm. So reaching out to a friend, reaching out to a loved one, and getting outside of your head and outside of yourself. Because that's, I think that's a part of it too, is we get so self-absorbed. And I think that just perpetuates it. Yeah. And yeah, you've got to you've got to let go of it yeah. and 
focus on something else. It's almost like leaving the problem that you're having when you're having it, whatever you're struggling with, Mm -hmm. just abandoning it for a little while, understanding that that gives your mind a chance to work on it in the background. And that when you come back to it, you'll be fresher and more able to deal with it. Absolutely. What do we have in terms of questions today? We have two longer ones, but they're both really good. So we're going to start with the first one. She would like to remain anonymous, which is totally fine. She writes, I have been offered a job with a groundbreaking organization, yay. Based on my research, they are pioneers in what I would call holistic benefits. That means compensation packages that address the whole person, not just the employee. For example, parental leave for adoption, paid time off for volunteering, etc. I'm confident that we can craft a creative compensation package together as they are responsive and open-minded in talks to this point. My question, what should I be negotiating for? I'm in my mid-30s, filing for divorce and full custody of my toddler. This job would mean a big move off the continental U.S. to an area akin in cost to New York City for at least two years. They have offered a nice salary and car. I would need to pay tuition for school and nanny for help, and I would be thrilled to bake some sort of travel stipend into the package as well. We will certainly need to fly ourselves and loved ones back and forth over those two years. Additionally, I have been out of work for more than six months, so my finances have taken a big hit this year. So... In short, it sounds like she has this awesome opportunity and that she has some negotiating power. So what should she ask for? I wish I could tell you. <laughs> I know. And and that's because, look, I listen to your story and I bring to it my set of, well, if this were me, this mm-hmm. is what I would want. If okay. this were me, I might want every other month airfare. Mm-hmm. I might want to work one day from home. So that I, because I don't know what kind of a commute is involved in this new community, I might want to be able to take all of my vacation in one chunk so that I could get back to the States to spend a considerable amount of time with family and friends on one ticket. I might want, who knows, right? I might want There are services that exist in foreign countries to help expats get acclimated. I might want that. Mm -hmm. I might want language lessons. I don't know. But my guess is she knows, and she knows that the company is open. So I would make a list, and I would rank order it in terms of the things that are most meaningful to you. I would also take the time to understand what these different things cost so that if they are basically saying, we will pay X amount of money to help get you oriented, she knows that she can pull one from column A and one from column B. So it doesn't make a lot of sense if language lessons, which you can get on tape, are inexpensive. It doesn't make a lot of sense to throw away the opportunity to capture a valuable, expensive benefit when you could just buy that yourself. Right. And I would look really, really closely at the cost of living in this new place and the cost of all of these other services and figure out how much she's going to have to spend and what she'll be able to save. Rebuilding your savings needs to be very, very high on the priority list, particularly if you have blown through a lot of your savings during this period of unemployment. And if that means that the thing that you really should be asking for is more cash up front, a higher salary up front that you manage yourself, you should know that too. Yep. 
No, I love that idea. And yeah, I think quantifying everything that you do want so that you know if they say no to that in the benefits, maybe you can ask for more money, exactly what you just said. Well, and the the other thing that occurs to me is that there are a lot of companies that are offering these kinds of extra benefits, student loan repayment, additional coursework to help mm-hmm. you achieve your goals. But depending on the size of the company, they sometimes find they have to offer it to everyone or everyone at a certain tier. Yep. And you may just want to be conscious of that as well, that they may be a, a best places to work for in the universe kind of a company. They may not be able to offer you things that they're not able to offer other people, and the cost of offering it to everybody might be too expensive. Anonymous, this is wonderful, though. Congratulations. Yeah. It sounds like a great... Not even a problem, but a great puzzle to figure out. And congratulations and have a great time on your new adventure. I hope you're going somewhere fun. Yeah, me too. And we'll do one more from Sophia. I'm hoping to start an MBA program in the fall of 2020, and I'm looking for advice on how to manage my money now to best prepare for my time as a student and life after school. I had a full merit scholarship for undergrad, so I currently have no student debt. Yay. Yeah, if we had a horn, I would blow it. And my parents <laughs> have about 50000 in a 529 that they will continue toward my graduate degree. In the three years since undergrad, I have managed to save about 65000 which I have split between a high-yield online savings account earning 1.9% interest, a CD earning 2.6%, and a small amount with a robo-investor for fun. I've contributed an additional 17500 toward my 401k so far and continue to contribute 5%. Thanks, Sophia. Which is what my employer will match. My question is, is there something else I can do with my savings over the next 18 months before I start school? For example, would it be irresponsible to invest in a home before starting school? I rent an apartment in Brooklyn for $1,000 a month. Wow. I know. Just that alone, Sorry. I rent. Let's just let's just dwell on that sentence for a second. I rent an apartment in Brooklyn for one thousand dollars a I month. I didn't want to be you already, Sophia. <laughs> wow. Okay. I rent an apartment. That, by in the Brooklyn. way, for anybody who doesn't live in Brooklyn, that's really good. That's so good. It's really good. Oh, okay. For a thousand dollars a month, and can't afford a home in my area, but dream of buying a second house that I could rent out in a less expensive city. If real estate is a bad idea. Is there anything else you would recommend that I might not have considered? It depends what the money is for. When we're talking, we're talking about $65,000 that's outside of your 401k. Could you use it to buy real estate? I wouldn't at this point in life. And and I wouldn't for a couple of reasons. After you're through with graduate school, do you know where you're going to live? It's a pain in the neck, if not worse, to try to manage a rental property from across the country. You may decide you want to be somewhere else. Real estate markets, as we also learned around 2008, don't always just go up. And when real estate markets take a turn, it's the vacation markets that turn downward first because those are not the necessary properties that people have to have. They are the uh, ancillary properties, the extra ones. They're They're the benefits, and so they go first. And I also wouldn't suggest tying up this money until you know what graduate school is going to cost you and what you're going to get in the way of aid, because you may need to use some of that money to keep you out of student debt. So for now, these are short-term funds. And when it comes to our short-term funds, we put them somewhere really boring, which usually means a money market account or a savings account with a high interest rate. Go to bankrate.com or gobankingrates.com and look at the best savings rates in the country and put your money 
there and call it a day. And continue patting yourself on the back because you're doing so many wonderful things already. You are. Absolutely. Good luck. Yes, good luck. And thank you, everyone, for your questions. And thank you, Kelly. And now it's time for our weekly Thrive segment, which includes a very friendly, because we're always very friendly here, reminder to say no to store credit cards. According to a recent survey from CreditCards.com, about half of all Americans have impulsively acquiesced when offered a discount in exchange for adding another piece of plastic to their wallets. Here are two good reasons to say no thank you. The interest rates on these cards are absurdly high. They are in the mid-20% rate on average. And just to put that in perspective, it means carrying a $2,000 balance for a year will cost you $500. Second, the act of signing up for one of these cards can ding your credit score as much as 10 points, which, if it happens to move you from, say, a good credit tier to a fair credit tier, can translate into hundreds or thousands of dollars in additional interest on loans that you really care about, like a mortgage or a car loan. In other words, clip the coupons, just say no to the credit cards. Thanks so much for joining me today on Her Money. A big thanks to Laura Ling for the great conversation. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. We like hearing what you think. We also want to thank our sponsor, Fidelity. We record this podcast out of CDM Sound Studios. Our music is provided by Track Tribe, and our show comes to you through PRX. Join us next week. We'll be back with another great guest, and we'll talk soon.